Hey, hey everyone. I recently had the honor and privilege of chatting with Mr. Coot Blackson. Coot is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He is the author of the best-selling book, You Are the One, and the soon-to-be-released book, The Magic of Surrender. He is widely considered the next-generation leader in the field of personal development and has been featured on Larry King Now, Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, and Inc. Magazine calls him the mindfulness guru billionaires go to for advice. Coot recently received the 2019 Walden Award in the New Thought Wisdom category that Unity Organization honors once a year to recognize socially conscious leaders who are making the world a better place. One of the previous year's winners in the same category was Oprah Winfrey. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life purpose. Kud is here to chat with me about his new book, The Magic of Surrender. When I heard about Coot's new book, I immediately reached out to him to be a guest on the Sweet Empowerment Podcast because I feel learning to surrender is one of the most important spiritual tools we can practice. Guys, there are so many takeaways in this episode, so I invite you to grab something to write with and on and then hit play. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy this beautiful rush of truth and love. Welcome, Coot Blackson. I've been following you for probably over a decade. It's hard to say when that started. I just know you came into my existence some time ago. And I've read your amazing book, You Are the One. I attended your talk at Unity of Phoenix with my husband and my daughter. And I don't pass up an opportunity to listen to your amazing podcast and watch all your videos. We share a similar philosophy and I just love your energy that you bring to my life and I'm sure just millions of others. So a few weeks back when I received your newsletter that was talking about the upcoming release of your book, The Magic of Surrender, I probably squealed out loud. I mean, I remember having a huge reaction when I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad he wrote this that book that I immediately sent an email off to you. I mean, the second I read that, that email from you because I believe that surrender is one of the most important spiritual practices that we can have. It's truly, truly powerful. And I am so honored to have you here. Thank you for saying yes. It's great to be here. So Koo, can you share with us a little of your backstory that led you to become a well-known and beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher? Sure. Yeah. I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. And, you know, my entire life, I felt a deep calling to serve humanity. I remember being age five and I I was a very sensitive kid. So I always felt people's pain. I felt people's suffering. And there was just a deep sense of wanting to alleviate people's suffering. And I didn't know what that would look like. I just, I would feel people very deeply. And so uh, from a very young age, I would say one of my first memories as a young boy was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing uh, blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. And uh, the same man who Sanchi picks up, you know, was my father. And so I grew up in this environment of possibility, this environment of, let's say, so-called miracles. Uh, Didn't seem strange to me. It seemed normal. And, and, And for me, I was always very kind of curious about the meaning of life. You know, I would, I grew up, uh, I went to a school, got a scholarship to a school where there was a lot of very wealthy uh, kids, uh, you know, kids of presidents, kids of politicians and, and people who seemed to have every reason to be happy yet seemed totally miserable. And a lot of folks in my father's congregation and church uh, didn't have a lot, weren't educated, would be considered poor yet were so happy and generous and fulfilled. And so it just started trigger the question, triggering the question, you know, what, like, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? Why are we here? Um, where are we going? You know, why do some people who have everything seem to be 
miserable, why do some people have nothing, sometimes seem to be fulfilled and happy. And this really started a, a quest. And so from a very young age, I remember being age eight, I started reading my first self-help book uh, on creative visualization. And then from eight to 18, I just think I got really obsessed trying to understand the psyche. So I read everything from Eastern mystics and uh, everyone from Krishnamurti, Yosho, Ramana Maharishi, Maharishi Mish Yogi started meditating at a very young age. And I, then I started reading the Western sort of pop psychology, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, Tony Robbins, you know, on and on and on. Uh, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn. And so this became my, my love. This became my passion. And uh, when I was eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. When I was 14, uh, I was ordained as a minister in my father's church. And he had about 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London. And he was a very spiritual, mystical person. It was not so much an old school dogma. I mean, we met at Unity. And so I grew up reading people like Charles Fillmore and Catherine Ponder, who were like the, the, the founders of Unity and a lot of uh, the sort of, I call them the original teachers of the metaphysical movement. So uh, I started reading at a very young age, but at 14, my father announces to his congregation that my son is taking over the ministry. And, you know, it was a bit of a shock. It was a bit of a surprise. Um, as much as I wanted to help people, I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this was not my destiny. I knew that this was not what I was here to do. Uh, in, in a strange way, I just didn't have the courage to tell my father the truth. I just didn't have the courage to uh, confront him and speak my truth because I was afraid if I really shared my truth with him that I wanted to do something else. I wanted to inspire people in a different way. My fear was I would be outcast. I'd be abandoned. I'd be rejected. I'd be, you know, we wouldn't speak. We wouldn't have a relationship. But I would lose his love. And so there was a deep uh, a deep fear of if I really dare to be who I authentically am, and I think many of us have this fear, like if, if I really dare to be who I am and show the world who I am, then I won't be loved, I won't be accepted. And sometimes it's very vulnerable to put yourself out there, to share your gifts with the world, to share your writing, your poetry, your creativity, uh, because if people reject that, the most authentic part of you, it's it's it can hurt. And so sometimes as human beings, it's easier to just put an inauthentic gift out there. It's easier to do something you're not that passionate about. It's not that meaningful because if people reject that, then it doesn't hurt as much, you know? And so Absolutely. it took me about four years to wrestle with my fears and wrestle with my own internal uh, demons, so to speak, and insecurities right. as a young boy. And from 14 to 18, I went into a deep part depression, part soul searching. And when I was 18, I came to an epiphany. I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path and do what my father wanted, what society wanted, and be the, be the good kid, so to speak. But what I realized was, even if I succeeded by everyone else's standards, if I didn't have myself, I would be miserable. I'd be unhappy. And I looked down that road and I saw, I saw death. You know, it was like a soul suicide. And then I, I felt called in this direction that was completely the unknown. I didn't know where that would lead. I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know. I was called to go to America because for me, all of the self-help books I read, uh, all of the authors, Marianne Williamson, Chopra, Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield, all of the list goes on. Mar uh, uh, who else? Uh, Jim Rohn, uh, Louis Hay. They all lived in the America. U.S. But they all lived in California. They all lived in like Southern California. So I thought this was the Mecca. You know, I wanted to come and meet these people. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt this deep calling to go in that direction. I knew I had to go in that direction. I had no idea how it was going to happen. I finally mustered up the courage after four years to confront my father, tell my father the truth. It was one of the most difficult things in my life. I think in so many ways, as human beings, one of the things that kept me stuck, one of the things that keeps us stuck, really are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. And in so many ways, we're constantly lying to ourselves about who we are, lying to ourselves about what we feel. Maybe we stay in a relationship that we know isn't truly aligned, but we're afraid. Maybe we feel guilty or we're afraid of, 
if I really, if I really let go, maybe I won't find love again. I won't find someone nice again. And, and so in so many ways, we're compromising our authentic nature out of fear, fear of the consequences, being staying in a relationship that doesn't work, staying in a career that doesn't work, you know, uh, not speaking our truth to people, not showing people who we really are. And so I finally mustered up the courage. And let me tell you, it was terrifying. It was scary. Uh, we didn't speak for two years, but there was a level of freedom I felt and peace I felt in my heart that was, whilst it wasn't easy, it was, I knew, I knew I was on the right path. And so just to kind of wrap up, I would invite anyone who is in a stage of their life of wanting to really transform, start with asking yourself, what lies am I telling myself? Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a great place to start. It's not an easy place, but whatever we don't deal with will end up dealing with us in some way, shape or form, you know? And so what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? Because in many ways we keep ourselves stuck by kind of pretending we don't really know what we really feel when deep down we really do know. And I think it takes a lot of courage to really own our knowing. So what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? Uh, what are the lies that I'm telling myself? What is it costing me? And to really be willing to feel the pain, be willing to feel the cost of the lies that we're telling ourselves, And I think that can start moving us in a direction. So when I sat with those questions, um, I knew what I had to do, even though it was challenging. And, you know, cut a long story short, I ended up winning a green card in the lottery, uh, the, the green card lottery. Yeah, I read uh, that. Came to the US, two suitcases, $1,000, knew no one, and just showed up. And that's when my journey began. That green card lottery thing, that's in You Are the One, I, I believe. Isn't yes, it? I share the yeah. story in and, You Are the and, One. And I highly encourage everyone to grab that book because, you know, watching you and seeing you out in the world and doing your, your piece, but to read that book and to get really the, the backstory of Coot Blackson and what it means to be you and how you, you process through life and stood in courageous things. And I mean, when I read that part, honestly, Coote, about you having to talk to your father, 18, were you 18 when you had 18. I was like, I cannot imagine what this boy had to the courage. Uh, you know, sometimes I believe that your soul, uh, what your soul guides you to do is not always convenient. Yeah. Uh, and when we take the easy or the convenient path, in this moment, I guarantee you, it will usually lead to a lot of pain and inconvenience down the road. And, and I think that being living, being happy is actually, is actually simple. You know, I, I say it's simple, not always easy, but it's, it, it's simple. It's feel the truth, acknowledge the truth, speak the truth, live the truth, happy life you know it, it's not that difficult but it can be challenging because we are we tend to be afraid of what will happen if i tell the truth we tend to be afraid of the consequences and i think truly living an authentic life is the willingness to surrender what is not aligned the willingness to surrender what's not working in so many ways we know many of us we know things need to change but we tend to hold on to things there's a few phases that we go through when we know things need to change or things need to shift the first phase is we're living a life and we're in denial. We're, 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 we're actually in denial that we don't even know that we're lying and we're stuck in a situation, we're stuck in a dynamic where we're just unconscious. We're so in denial, we're not even aware that a shift needs to happen, even though some part of us feels something. You know, We feel something, but there's a level of denial. Then that next phase is we move into an awareness that something's not quite working here. Mm -hmm. Something needs to change. Maybe we're not sure what needs to change. Maybe we are sure what needs to change. But because we are a little afraid of the consequences, and so what the ego tries to do is tries to preserve itself, preserve its identity, preserve what's comfortable, we move into a phase of resistance. Mm -hmm. And so what we start doing is we start to resist the changes that we know we need to make in our life to hold on to what we have. You know, the challenge is, when we hold on to what's not working in our lives, 
that simply reinforces our lack of trust in the universe. When we hold on to what's not working in our life, we simply keep ourselves stuck at that level. And many times we pray to the universe, pray to God, do affirmations, say, God, give me, you know, give me, I, I want my soulmate. I want my soulmate. I want the next level. Yet we're still in this toxic relationship, afraid to let that go. And we say, well, when I meet the one, then I'll let this go. And I believe we have to create the space in our life first to, so that we can truly become available for the new frequency and the new energy. So that next level is resistance. You know, we're, we're in resistance. But then we move through resistance and then we start negotiating, right? The negotiation tactics of the mind begins. We, well, maybe it's not really that bad. You know, maybe, maybe, right. he's, maybe he's not that bad. Maybe I can make this situation that I know is not right. Maybe I can make it work. It, it's, it's, you know, I should be grateful for it, you know? And, and so we start this negotiation in our minds that allows us to kind of stay stuck where we are. So we move from denial to resistance to negotiation. A lot of us stay stuck in this negotiation phase for five years, 10 years, 20 years. Then we start moving into a different phase where we begin to realize that no matter how much we resist or negotiate, nothing is going to change. Our life's not going to change. Our boss is not going to change. Our partner's not going to change. You know, our wife is not going to, this is what it is. And then we have to move into that state of reality. You know, the profound acceptance of what is. Mm -hmm. It's a acceptance. This is what it is. You can't really change reality if you're not in relationship with reality. And so that next phase is, resist is, 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 is coming into acceptance. But the thing is, acceptance doesn't necessarily mean surrender. And there's a thing that I think we should discuss at some point. A lot of times people come into acceptance and they think, why are things still not shifting? Because when we're in acceptance, there still can be an internal resistance inside of us. Okay, I accept that, you know, hey, you're in Arizona. Are you still in Arizona? Yes. Right? And you know it gets hot in Arizona in the summer. I spent my first full summer in Arizona and people told me, this is a side note, people told me it gets hot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was born in Africa, come on. And once it hit July, once it hit August, once it hit September, it was bonkers. I mean, it was so hot. You could literally take an egg outside and fry it in the heat. And that was hot. And so acceptance would be, and it was hard for me to get into acceptance because acceptance would be, okay, it's hot, but it shouldn't be hot. Why is it so hot? Why is it so damn hot? What's wrong with Arizona? You know, this is what I was doing. What's wrong with Phoenix? It shouldn't be hot. This is unhealthy. Okay, I have to stay. So, so there's still an internal resistance to the reality. Yeah. I was I was resisting all summer, yeah. and it's this damn hot, you know? <laughs> the experience that I'm having is not the experience I should be having, is, is, is still playing out in our minds. So we're dealing with reality, but we're still resisting reality. So there's, that can still be happening in the level of acceptance. Right. So move to surrender. There is a phase in between acceptance and surrender, which most people miss. And it is the stage of grieving. Most people, see, surrender is the open-hearted participation with the process of what's happening. The, like, where you fully embrace what is happening, trusting that everything is happening for your highest good, and you fully embrace what's happening, knowing that life is a process of evolution, and, and so long as you're evolving, then rather than resisting, you start looking to learn the lessons in any given situation, even though it's challenging, you focus on the evolutionary gift and possibility for why you're going through what you're going through. Then you can roll up your sleeves and say, this is difficult, but I'm going to participate with it, surrender to it. How can I evolve in this relationship? How can I evolve in this dynamic? What can I learn from it? So there's an open-hearted surrender. To get to that requires the grieving phase. The grieving phase is the willing, because surrender is a death. It's a death of an ego. It's a death of an identity. It's a death of a dream. It's a death of an idea. It's a death of, surrender is the willingness to give up the idea of the life you thought you should be living so that you can truly embrace the life that is seeking to happen. The life that the divine is seeking to, you know, whatever the universe is seeking to do through you. So surrender is letting go of who you think you should be so that you can embrace who you authentically are. And so grieving 
the willingness to allow yourself to grieve, to die, parts of you to die, to feel those feelings. And grieving happens in waves, grieving ha happens in stages. But I think it's such a, when we don't allow ourselves to feel the grief, we simply carry the old energy, the old pain, the old negativity with us into the new phase, and it doesn't allow us to truly be open. And so once we grieve, then we move into surrender, the open-hearted acceptance, uh, openness. And then we move into the next phase, which is the flow, which is the magic. And then when we're truly in the flow, then we're not trying to force life, trying to make things happen, trying to impose our limited will on life, we're, we're riding the wave, we're in the mm. flow, that we're truly open to the infinite possibilities of the universe. I call it riding the wave too. I love that you just used that. <laughs> so yes, the, I mean, so much already great information. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I could go in 20 different directions with this. But one question I think that a lot of people come across is that, well, they're like, well, how do I trust this higher power? How do I trust you? Okay. Very good question. Okay. I was speaking to someone about this the other day. They, they said, they asked me, a friend was asking me this exact thing. How do I trust? I looked around and I said, honestly, how do you not trust the universe? Like, just look around. Just pay attention how if you look around at nature mm -hmm. every single day of our lives the sun shines there's never been a day where you woke up i don't know about you in arizona but there's never been a day <laughs> oh, hell no, where, not here. Where, where you woke up and it's like why is it pitch black at 8 a.m in the morning oh the sun just happened to forget to shine it, it, it's never happened the moon, the sun, the seasons, the sun, you know, it's just, it's the laws of nature are constantly unfolding. And if we really pay attention to the rhythm of life and look at life, life, every breath of our existence, when we pay attention, is proof, proof of the intelligence, of our ability, of the reality of trust in life, if we look around. The same intelligence, if you look at right now, you're breathing, I'm breathing, we're breathing. If we just look inside, even at our physiology, even at our body, there's, there's trillions and trillions of processes happening right now. Right. Despite you, we eat, we eat a banana, our finger doesn't turn into a banana. It, there's an intelligence that digests and turns it into the exact nutrients that are optimal for our body. We're not doing that. I'm not sitting here uh, going, Breathe, 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 breathe. God, please help me. Breathe. It's just happening. There is an intelligence functioning you, functioning me, functioning all of existence, bringing the sun, bringing the stars, functioning 7 billion people, functioning the cockroaches, the ants, the rhinoceros, the tigers. I mean, functioning all elements of, of multidimensional existence. It's just unfolding every single second. Mm -hmm. If we just pay attention. And so I think so often we just don't pay attention to what's happening here. Like we're miracles, you know? And so I think if we bring our attention to the nature of reality, how can we not trust in life? This intelligence that you and I have been around, maybe folks listening in 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. Okay, maybe someone listening to the conversation is 120 years old listening to this interview. But even then, life has been around for billions of years. Billions of years. Mm -hmm. How can we not trust this intelligence, you know? Right. Like, we, we are a part of nature. Like, we see a mango, it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. A mango is a part of nature. You don't see a mango stressing, like... Oh shit, how, how am I going to get to uh, Gelson's? How am I going to get to Whole Foods? It's just when the mango is ripe, it falls and everything unfolds, you know? So we've just kind of forgotten we're a part of nature, you know? We've become so technologized and kind of disconnected. And I think media and society and, 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 and technology has tended to disconnect us from our own innate flow our own innate intelligence, our own innate rhythm. And we've 
in so many ways began to override nature with our own man-made sort of uh, technology and conditioning and stuff that I think if we really pay attention, how can we not trust? There's so much proof for, for an intelligence, you know? And I think that's, that's what surrender is really about, the willingness to trust bigger than your mind. In so many ways, as human beings, because of our fear of trusting, there's a fear of, well, if I surrender, things won't work out. Well, if we look at life, when we have control, things haven't worked out. Right. Even, even when we thought things were going to, even when we thought things should be certain things that we really wanted them to be, mm-hmm. like we really wanted that relationship to work and we did everything. And, and now we look back and go, shoot, shoot. That relationship was a disaster. But in that, re- in that moment, we, f- we forced things to be that maybe weren't so. And so there's this idea of thinking that surrender is passive, surrender is weak. If you surrender, you won't get what you want. If you surrender, life won't flow. If you surrender, relationships won't work out. If you surrender, then all hell will break loose and fall apart. I'm actually proposing that if you surrender, trust life, trust the flow, allow life to lead you, allow life to guide you, you know, surrender to your deepest truth versus your ego's idea. Surrender to your soul's direction versus your, you know, your, your, your sort of mind's fear. If you really surrender to that truth and live that courageously, my invitation is, well, what if life actually works out better than you can imagine? More joy, more abundance, more, you know, and sure, you may not always end up where you thought you were going to end up. But what if you end up somewhere even better? Because I think when we create life out of fear and the mind, to me, the old paradigm, the old way of living in self-help and spirituality is make it happen. You know, you make it happen with your mind, with your willpower, with your idea, just your mind is powerful. We're not saying it's not. And I'm not saying you can't create. But when I really look at the great ones, you know, when we, people far greater than me, Jesus, Buddha, you know, the great ones, Mandela, uh, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, uh, uh, um, who else? I mean, we could just go, keep going down the list. I mean, so many great human beings, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Sojourner Truth, Viktor Frankl. When we look at some of these great ones, they weren't great because they were handsome or had money or they, they were great yes. because they chose to surrender themselves to something bigger than themselves. And then they opened themselves and were able to tap into the infinite. That's when life, I believe, was able to live through them and manifest through them and express through them. And so sometimes we have this idea of what we think should be out of fear, but if we're willing to trust and stay open, then I think life tends to work out better than we can imagine. What I just want to clarify is that doesn't mean you're lazy. That doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. That doesn't mean you can't have an intention. But I think, yes, have an intention. Go in a direction. Set a goal if you need to. But don't get so attached to that goal being that goal. You know, don't get like it's got to be this way. Because maybe it's not meant to be that way. Maybe the only reason you're meant to go in that direction is so that you can learn the lesson or maybe meet someone along the way or learn the lesson so that you can become uh, a higher version of yourself that will then prepare you for the next level and then prepare you for the next level. But sometimes we just get so attached to this person has to be the one. Right. But, but the universe is trying to bring you big love. But like, no, 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 no. This, this person has to be it. But the universe is like, but I'm trying to bring you your soulmate. No, 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 no. I got to have this person. And so I think when we can, part of surrender is the willingness to not force, but remain open. Give 100%, don't get attached to the result. Remain open, remain curious. And I think that's the key. Living, with, living in a state of open-hearted curiosity whilst giving 100% at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, yes, that's beautiful. I wrote like 10 questions here for you, but I'm just going to pick one. Um, What if people don't believe 
that they can have it. You know, the limited brain, the ego saying, oh, no, 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 there isn't better love or no, you're stuck in this shitty job. You, you can't have that. How can a person make a shift in their brain to believing that they can actually have anything, that the universe is limitless, that, 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 we're, that we're all here for some type of greatness? How yeah, I would, I would say, firstly, we've got to question ourselves. Like, if you're like, well, there's no great love. There's, have you had great love before? How, so how do you know there isn't if you haven't had it? You know, how, how, like we're often believing stories in our minds as though it's true, as though we know, but we've never been there to know it's not possible. And, right. and, and so we have to start questioning ourselves because we're often living, living an idea that is not necessarily fact, that might be fiction as though it's fact and it's determining yeah. our reality. So we have to start questioning our minds. It's like, how do you know that? How do you know that that's true? Have you been there? No. Have you experienced that? No. Have you? No. So how do you know? Well, I don't. Exactly. And so we don't question ourselves. So look, just because the mind has a thought or just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. And in many ways, we're constantly believing every single thought that we have mm -hmm. as though it's reality mm -hmm. you know, and is not reality. And so we have to start questioning our minds. We have 65 to 75,000 thoughts in a day, if not more. Most of those thoughts are the same as yesterday and the same as yesterday. Most of those, some of those thoughts aren't even our thoughts. They are thoughts programmed that from, from, from generations passed down to us from our grandparents, from our great-grandparents, from our parents, from mm. our cultural lineage and generations and genealogy that have been passed down to us. And we're just the end product, the byproduct of thinking that those beliefs of scarcity and lack and fear. And, and so we have to start questioning, is this true? Is this fact? Is this fiction? Can I know it for sure? And I think the more we can do that and step back and realize just because I have a thought doesn't make it true. It's not the thoughts that are simply important. It is really the power and the importance that we give the thoughts. So if we can start developing a relationship with our mind to observe the thoughts and question the thoughts, then we can step back and start freeing ourselves from the thoughts rather than allowing those thoughts and those stories to control us. Sometimes I will say as human beings, we, we hold on to old stories and old ideas like I, there's no love out there, there's, there's no this out there, because it is actually an unconscious safety mechanism of keeping ourselves protected. Because if I choose to believe there's no big love out there, there's no great purpose for me out there, then I, I guess two things, then I don't have to like really risk and go for it and maybe be disappointed if I get heartbroken. You know, mm -hmm. they don't really have to like believe and get my hopes up and go for it. And if it, if I fail, I don't have to feel disappointed. And if I break up and, 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 and the business doesn't work out, then I also don't have to get disappointed. So sometimes the small thinking, the lack thinking is a way we get to simply keep ourselves safe to not feel disappointment, to not feel heartbreak. But sometimes too, I have seen that we do, we play that game of, well, I don't know, you know, when we, so, so we hold back because also this is a slightly different pattern I see by not really going for it, not really believing. Yes, we don't get our hopes up, don't get disappointed, don't get let down. We can just be like, cool. Uh, it's safer that way. But sometimes by not really going for it, putting ourselves on the line, then we don't have to see what might actually happen. And if we don't have to see what might actually happen, we can always live in the future hope and the future possibility that it could happen, you know, five years, 10 years from now, without actually putting ourselves on the line. And so I think it's just important to be aware of some of these factors in that consideration. And we don't necessarily know what's possible. So I would invite everyone to just be willing to embrace the unknown, be willing to not know, because 
We don't know what we're really capable of. You know, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Muhammad Ali, Mother Teresa, Mandela, they were just human beings that showed us what's possible in terms of our own human potential. Mm -hmm. To me, Gandhi was a normal human being. It's easy for us to say, ah, but he was special. You know, it's easy for us to say, ah, Bruce Lee, he was just gifted. It's easy to look at Mandela and just say, he was just born that way. I beg mm -hmm. to differ. Mm -hmm. We all have the seed of greatness. They were just willing to go and do the work to become, look, Mandela spent 27 years in prison. Right. You know, if you think about that, mm -hmm. like, that's, that's- I have thought about that. An extreme soul gymnasium, you know, an opportunity to grow and evolve. And so, we have to be willing to own that the greatness is inside of us. But I think it's all, what will also help is this. Sometimes we have a dream or a vision. We want it. We want to manifest it. Then we go into fear. Oh my God, how is it going to happen? Who am I? Who am I? I don't know. We have to realize this. Your dreams don't belong to you. Your dreams belong to life. Your dreams, if you've been given a dream, because we sometimes go into fear. And then we second guess ourselves and then we're going to fear and then we stop. Then we procrastinate. Then we sabotage. Here's what I really want people to get. Your dreams don't belong to you. They belong to the universe. They mm. belong. They belong to life. And if you really understand that your dream belongs to life, it belongs to the divine. It belongs to the infinite. It belongs to the universe. In a sense, the universe has chosen you to be the vessel and the vehicle to manifest that dream because you are the perfect person. Everything you've been through, everything in your life has perfect, every success, every failure, every divorce, every breakup, every, everything has perfectly prepared you to be the one who is able to fulfill this dream or vision. Mm -hmm. And so if it's, not, if it's not yours, see, when the ego is wrapped up in thinking it's mine, then it goes into fear because it thinks I'm the doer that has to do it. And oh my God, I, how do I do it? And then, and then the overwhelm happens. But if it's like, well, it belongs to life. And if it belongs to life, the same life that brought the clouds and brought the sky and brought all of existence and brought the trees and has been around for billions of years and brought me into existence. If this dream belongs to life, then life knows what to do and life knows how to fulfill it then our job becomes to stop negotiating our destiny and simply show up and say yes. And I'd invite everyone to say, where are you negotiating your purpose? Where are you negotiating your destiny? Back and forth, negotiating. You know, Martin Luther King negotiated for years his destiny. They wanted Martin Luther King to be the head of the civil rights movement, but he, he knew what that might mean. And he just thought, well, it'd be nice to live with my kids and my family in a church in a nice environment and then he had to surrender to something bigger and so the dream belongs to life our job is to show up say yes do our part and surrender and open when we do that's when i feel and i've experienced and i've observed life will use you in ways you cannot imagine then your job is to move into action then your job is to move into action take action, give 100% in that flow, because then you're in the flow, you're riding the wave, then you're in synchronicity. And because you are working in flow with nature, in flow with this innate intelligence that is life, the right people, the right situations, the right people, the right situations, the right people, the right situations will just kind of like rise to meet you and you will realize uh, I'm not really doing this. It's kind of <laughs> happening. You know, I'm it's not so really, true. it's happening. That doesn't mean you're sitting on your couch. You're doing your part, which is you're riding the wave, but then you're not making the wave and you're not making the ocean. It's like life just brings you, that's how you know you're in the flow. So we have to show up, say yes, stop negotiating, surrender, show up, take action and do our part. I hear that. And I, and I love that feeling of being in the flow because it almost makes me stop and go, oh my God, I'm so in the flow right now. And then there's a part of me that's like, oh God, try to control it again. You know, the ego comes in and tries to control and I have to keep revisiting. No, you're in the flow, you're good. How would you encourage or invite somebody who is not feeling that flow of life right now? 
because you know, there's been times in my life when I was not in the flow, like a lot yeah. of things happened at once and it floored me. And I felt like I was getting up off the ground, dusting myself off with cuts and bruises. And I was like, I am not flowing. And how would you encourage somebody who feels just really downtrodden right now? How, how could they get back in the flow again? Like what's some practices maybe? You know, I think one of the ways if you're out of the flow is being out of the flow is just a signal. Something's off. It's just a signal. It's feedback. It's not God doesn't love you. It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you're not enough. It's just, it's just a signal from the universe. I'm given know? the victory sign here because that is like, yes. Yeah, it's, it's just feedback from the universe that something needs to, that you're just off. So something needs to recalibrate. It, it's just a neutral feedback mechanism. And so what I would say is start with look at Ask yourself the question to look at what lies am I telling myself? One of the ways we keep ourselves stuck are the way, are ways in which we lie to ourselves. So really just take a look at what lies am I telling myself? Because you cannot be lying to yourself, lying about who you are, living a lie, be, for instance, being in relationship. Uh, okay, let me back up. I had a client many years come to me and say, I'm miserable, I'm miserable, I'm, I'm just miserable, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy. Tell me more. I'm in a relationship with a man I just, I, I haven't loved, I don't love, I'm 20, 15 years into it, and, and I just I just don't want to be with him, but can you help me be happy? I don't want to break up, I don't want to leave, <laughs> but can you just help me find it, be happy? It, it doesn't really work that way, you know, it, it, it really doesn't, and so really start by looking at what lies am I telling myself? Where am I not in alignment? Where am I not in integrity? Where am I cheating myself? Where am I betraying myself? Because it's not really possible to live a fulfilled, happy life in the flow when you are not living in alignment with your truth. It, mm -hmm. it, it, for the, like, if you are living out of alignment with your truth, it's meant to be painful. You are meant to be out of the flow. So that means things are, things are working. There's no way to be like out of alignment, betraying yourself, cheating yourself, working a job you hate, doing things you hate, being in a relationship that you hate, and you're in the flow. It, 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 it doesn't work that way. And there's no meditation technique or special mantra that will get you in the flow if you're out of the flow with your own self. Beautiful. Tell the truth. Align with the truth. Feel the truth. Speak the truth. Start letting go of things in your life that are not in integrity, that are not in alignment. That requires courage. That's true courage. Because then your vibration will shift as you, the next level of your life is going to require the next level of you, is going to require that you let go of what's not in alignment anymore. But many times we hold on out of fear and out of comfort. So we got to let go. When we let go of what's not working, even though sometimes it's scary, then our vibration shifts to the next level, we get lighter and we start bringing ourselves in the flow. To me, that is spiritual practice. I would tell people, stop praying, stop meditating, stop reading, you know, reading books, you know, because if you go to God, God, please help me get in get the flow. God, God's going to be like, go deal with your shit, you know, go get, honest. Go, go get honest, go get real, because that is what it takes. So step number one. Step number two, I would say really cultivate the feeling of abundance. Uh, by, by simply, you know, practicing gratitude, start focusing on what's great about your life. These are just simple things. Start focusing on what's great about your life. Start focusing on what you're grateful for, what you're happy for. Start, start feeling the moments of abundance in your life. I mean, the sun shining on your skin. Rather than focusing on what's not, start focusing on the sun shining on your skin and taste of food and your digestion and your body and, and, and just amplifying the joy and the celebration frequency and energy for what is working for what is great for what you are grateful for because the moment you can't smell touch taste feel you know lose your eyesight it's a whole nother situation that's a whole nother Amen. flow that's a whole nother flow and so start amplifying that energy because energy attracts energy you know and Absolutely. then thirdly i would say to get in the flow start focusing just on yourself Stop focusing just on yourself and find ways in your life, even if it's small ways, to be of service. 
when we're focused on ourselves, we're, we, we, are, we, are, we are in a contracted mode of separation. When we are in the zone of service, we're not focused on ourselves. We are open. We, 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 to, to give and to serve and to love, you actually have to go from this to this. Are you with me? You have to move from this to this, yeah. and this moves you into the flow. When you're in, like this, giving, serving, adding value, making a difference, you're open. And when you're open, you're in the flow rather than like this. And so giving, serving, loving, finding ways to be of contribution brings you into the flow. Now, somebody might say, but could I don't have a lot of money? You don't need a lot of, mo lot of money to give and serve. It might just be, you know, making someone sandwiches, uh, making a homeless person sandwiches. It might just be knocking on your neighbor's door and just saying, hey, do you need any help this afternoon? If they're an elderly neighbor, it might just be just, you know, if you really say, could I have nothing to give? What about a smile? <laughs> I mean, the power of going down the street and smiling at someone, which is free, can make some, it can change somebody for a moment and you don't know those ripples. And so focus on how you can be of service. That, those are some ways to kind of start bringing yourself in the flow. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. Everything you're saying is so alignment with something that happened to me 12 years ago when I was completely floored and my brain was trying to, to shift and, and move chess pieces on a board of how I could get out of this situation. And I basically had a breakdown in the middle of the night. And as I was laying there, I, my ears were ringing so loud, I couldn't even hear myself, but I started laughing because I said, Kristen, there's God. What are you doing? And I was like, you know, my kids are upstairs asleep by 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm laying on the, I can't even move. And I was like, there's God. And from that point forward, I just want to share the story because it's so in alignment with what you're saying is I, I let go. Everything was at stake. I won't get into details for time-wise because this is your time, but everything was at stake. And I just went hands up in the air. I said, God, you guide me. And I just kept myself as calm as I possibly could so that I could hear the guidance. And two fascinating things is one, in the midst of this, I would go to Unity of Phoenix, we talked about, and I would just sob publicly through these you know, talks that Reverend Raj was giving. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go volunteer what you're saying. When I felt like I didn't have anything to give and my life was falling apart, I went and volunteered and I did this and that. And like you said, I don't remember what, what we did, me and the kids. And then life just went and went and went. And you said, Coot, you said it's, the, it's waiting for the next level of you. And what happened from this entire experience is what I'm doing now. Where at the bottom is pit of my life. You know, I, I wrote a book, I have a podcast, I coach people, I do all these things. And I'm so happy here that it made me grateful for the experience of that. So with that being said, Sometimes I feel like we're forced. Someone gets cancer, someone does this, you know, something, a death that, that floors them. And we get forced to kind of learn to surrender. Like we like, I, I finally have to give this up. And I'm like to say to people, don't wait for the breakdown when you can be in that flow before the breakdown. Yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, look, I think Life is a process of evolution. We are here to evolve. And as we go through life, we're either growing or we're not growing. And every single experience and every single situation and every single relationship we attract to us because there's certain lessons that our soul needs to learn. Every business, every career. And so sometimes we, we get to a certain level in that classroom and we've learned what we needed to learn. Challenges sometimes, we stay in the classroom. When we need to graduate the classroom, we stay in the classroom because, ah, it's comfortable. We stay in the classroom because we know our classmates. We stay in the classroom because we feel good that we're good at the class. But the truth is, we need to graduate. 
we need to go to that next level of our gift, of our sharing, of our evolution. And so at every level of our evolution and growth, there is another level. What might seem like the top, the, the, the next level, as we grow, will at some point become the bottom of yeah. where you're at. And then you grow and the top of that next level becomes the bottom. And so when you, you've outgrown something, there is an evolutionary impulse. Life doesn't really care about your comfort or convenience. Life cares about your evolution. And so there's an evolution impulse that is constantly pushing us to grow and evolve. And that's why we are here. And if we're not going to surrender and participate, you know, intentionally with, which we're not always able to see, you know, as human beings, if we don't kind of intentionally grow and evolve and constantly seeking the next growing edge, then life will find ways to, to evolve you. So if things are falling apart on some level, I know it's challenging. I know it's difficult. I've been there, but congratulations. Mm -hmm. It means that you have out, whether you like it or not, the proof is in the pudding. You have outgrown that level. You have something, either something you've outgrown it or something is no longer working because something more is seeking to express and emerge. So, you can look at it as, oh shit, this is bad. Or you can look at it as a graduation, a promotion to your next level. That's the moment to say, let me let go. Let me breathe. Let me expand. Let me, let me trust. Let me trust. Because the next level is going to require that you tap into a deeper part of yourself that you're not able to tap into where, you're, where you are so that you can keep growing and evolving. If, if like, life is like a video game, then there's levels, and then there's levels, and then there's levels. And each level gets harder, then it gets easier, then it gets harder, just simply because we expand. And, and what I found is there's never a point necessarily where you get to where sometimes there's a myth of like, whoa, well, if I can get enlightened, if I can get to a certain point of liberation, then all the challenges stop. I would say stop praying for the challenges to stop and in, because it's like the ocean. The ocean doesn't stop. Yeah. The ocean keeps, you know, flowing. And so when we can stop praying for the challenges to stop and surrender to the nature of the ocean that we're in and surrender to the process that is life, then we can surf, then we can grow, then we can evolve. Stop praying for the, for the, for the, for the ocean to get bigger. Instead, expand. we have to expand our capacity to surf bigger waves. So when things fall apart, this is a good sign. When things fall apart, it's a sign that your vibration is shifting. Something is shifting. If everything in your life is likely the same, 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 probably a sign that you might be very stagnant. And so when things fall apart, the tendency is to hold on. I say step back and really look at what's falling apart, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, whether it's a, something you created and ask yourself, is that thing really in alignment with who I am today? Is this relationship really in alignment with who I am today? And it's falling apart and we try to hold on to it. Stop. Is this actually even a, a, a represent, energetic representation of who I am today? Mm -hmm. Many times we will say, if we're honest, no. Then yeah. we have to ask ourselves, what, why am I holding on to it? Just out of fear, out of comfort. This is an opportunity to, to let go an opportunity to surrender. And, and when we create the space, that's when more can be revealed. In that space, yeah, more can be revealed. So I think it's important to get curious. You were saying in the space of things falling apart, it allowed the next level of your life, what you're doing now to be revealed that maybe you couldn't even imagine before. Maybe you were too afraid to step into before. Maybe There was even, no way. There was no way. So Public so speaking was off the charts for me period so this this whole evolution was like are you kidding me yeah, yeah. it was it it and, just came through me we have to be willing to trust and follow and and and, and, and allow life to lead us mm -hmm. and that is the key shift i'm inviting people to really make rather than trying to like make life into what you think it should be and force it into a direction we have to be willing to say okay let me let me follow the energy it's scary. Sometimes the things that we will be truly guided to do won't be what our ego mind wants to do. 
but it's exactly what we need to do. I am sure that Nelson Mandela did not write on his goal list, spent <laughs> 27 years in prison. I'm sure, no. I'm sure, I, I, like New Year's goal list, yes, spent 27 years in prison. I, on his poster board, seeing a cell, I highly doubt it. I do too. But, but, but life needed to take him there. Maybe life needed to take him there to humble him. Maybe life needed to take, to take him there so he could so deeply connect to his soul at that level because it was going to take that level of soul resonance, communion and depth to be able to make the impact he was going to make and become the person that he was going to become. And look at it. We're still talking about Nelson Mandela. He's not even alive and he's having an impact. That's yeah. a great soul. And so I think we may not always understand what is happening in a given situation in a given moment. And sometimes things don't always make sense in the moment. And then we get afraid, we get freaked out, we get upset. So one of the things to truly surrender is we have to be willing to give up the need to know and the need, mm. to, the need to understand. Because sometimes we don't move forward or we resist because what does it mean? Why? What does it mean? Where's this going? Where's this relationship? What does it mean? What is it? So if we're able to say, okay, I, I don't know what this means. I don't understand why this is happening. I just know something is happening. I don't understand why I'm being guided to go here. I just know my soul is guiding me there. Mm -hmm. And if we're willing to give up this, this need to know, which is another form of control, give up the need to know and really trust the flow, mm -hmm. then I found we will be guided. We will be guided and there's a key belief. When things are falling apart, trusting, the universe is always working for my highest good. Mm -hmm. If we really trust that, then even as the relationship falls, the situation falls, then we can trust, okay, this is not, I wanted it to be, but if the universe is working for my highest good to bring me something better, let's get curious, you know, like yeah. what, what could be better? Like, I really wanted that relationship. Okay, it's not happening. Okay, grieve it, feel it cry it, release it. I mean, honor the humanity, but something better. Wow. Let's stay open to that rather than attached to what's not. So do you believe that, and, and this will be our last, my last question to you, that we're constantly being redirected and, and, and guided? I think life is always giving us clues. Yeah. Clues, if we're willing clues. to pay attention, life yeah. is always giving us clues. Sometimes we don't want to see those clues mm -hmm. because those clues don't make sense. Sometimes we don't want to see those clues because those clues don't align with our ego's agenda. Yeah. And so our ego will spin certain things to mean certain things and will make things mean certain things that really aren't what they mean to fulfill its own agenda. Right. And so that's why I say, if we can be open, open to, I don't know what this means. No, this means he's my soulmate. <laughs> well, let's just step back for a second and just say, I don't know what this means, but I'm willing to find out. I'm willing to follow the clues. And I think sometimes we don't get all the guidance at once. Because if we did get all of the guidance at once, we may not do it. If the universe said to you, public speaker, oh. you'd be like, no. And so the universe doesn't always drop up the entire enchilada on you <laughs> of your vision. It just moves you over here. It, I see the universe is like a grand chess master. Oh, it just sure. it moves you over there. You learn the lesson, moves you over there. You learn the lesson, moves you over there, spins you over there. And all of a sudden it's checkmate. And you're like, how did I get here? In your case, public speaker. Okay. But you may not have chose that for yourself. And I think if we're able to truly surrender to that, that's when the magic happens. You know, that's when the magic, what life can do through you, through me, through us, if we are open, is way more than we can do for ourselves. I mean, who knows what you would be doing, right? If you were like, I'm going to make my life and, you know, but life was like, no, this is, this is your dharma. This is your purpose. This is what you are here to do. And I believe if you follow that, you're in the flow. 
And I think it's saying yes to life. It's just saying yes to opportunities rather than talking yourself out of them. Say, you know, if something comes along and it it all kind of piques your interest, you get a little bit of excitement, say yes, even though it's scary. And that's how that journey started for me is that I got offered to be on a morning show and I, I said yes, and then I freaked out. And then it just opened this whole thing for me because I liked it. Who would have thought in a million years that I was gonna like public speaking? And I went and did things to support that. Like you said, follow the path. I went to Toastmasters and of course, to try you, did, to re- you did your part. To release you know? the fear. I tried to do my part. And and I still had to work through that all through this time with now then I was, you know, first it was just writing a blog. Then it was on a podcast. Then it was a video. You know, it was like, there's all these stages that have moved me. But with each step, I'm glad that I feel the fear and do it anyway. I'm, I'm glad that I'm, that I'm like, this, I'm so scared right now. I'm shaking, but I'm courageous. And I'm, I'm just going to say yes, because what's the, the worst that can happen? Yeah, the Good stuff happen. can happen, right? Who knows what will happen? <laughs> I know. And, and, and it's so important for us to remember. Like if people can really make this shift, we, the ego wants to think, it's my life. It's my life. This is my life. But the real surrender is realizing it's not my life. It's life's life. It's not my life. We surrender to a bigger life. And then in that surrender, life starts to live you. Life starts to do it. And that's why when I said, Mother Teresa had to surrender her life to be lived. You know, Mandela surrendering her life to be lived. And so when you realize that your dreams don't belong to you, they belong to life. And if they don't belong to you, they belong to life, then why stress? Let, 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 just, okay, life, you want me to do this? I'll do it. Just unfold it. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's like getting on an airplane. You know, imagine getting on an airplane uh, to like Bali, Indonesia or somewhere, and you sat on the airplane going, oh, shoot, I have to fly this plane. I got, you knock on the door of the pilot. Hey, 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 let's fly this plane. I, I, wait a second, you've never flown a plane before. And so we got on the plane. We, we, we show up, we buy our ticket, we pack, we go through, you know, security. We do our part. We get on the plane. We get in the seat, at least I know I do, and I go to sleep. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I let the, the pilot life unfold the rest. And I think if we can trust that flow, that there is a pilot flying, life is moving, life is unfolding, we do our part. But if it's not my dream, it is life's dream, then there's an intelligence that knows how to do it through me. We just got to do our part. You know, one of the, my biggest, there's so many takeaways. I mean, I'm just like, woohoo. But one of, one of the things that you said that just really sunk into my, my soul is you said, we are life's vehicle. How bitching is that? It's amazing. You know, we got, we got cool, life's got all kinds of cool stuff that it, that it wants us to do. And we just have to be open to it. And show up, show up. Let, show up. Let, let life move you. Let life live you. And, and there's such a freedom in that where you realize you are not the doer. Mm-hmm. You know, even, I mean, not to, to, to go on and on, but... You can go, go. <laughs> even Jesus said, and, you know, whether you're Buddhist or what have you, this is mm-hmm. not a yeah. religious conversation. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus said, did all these miracles. Never once did I hear him say, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm Jesus. I'm the man. You know, I do all these miracles. Look how great I am. Aren't I amazing? Put me in the newspapers and show my face, show people how great I am. Jesus, miracle worker, right? The things that I do, he said two things. You can do these things and more for us all. But he also said, it's not I that does the work, but the Father, Mm -hmm. the universe, the innate intelligence, the divine, whatever you want to call it, it's the Father that does the work through me. It's not I that does it. Mm-hmm. It's life that does it. When we remember that, then we can surrender to truly being in service. Mm. Like, we're here to serve the mission. We're here to serve the project. I know, like, the magic of surrender is not, is not the book I thought I was going to write. Mm. I had a bunch of ideas of the book I thought I was going to write that would sell more, that would be more, that people would be more curious about, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it just came straight and clear 
I had hundreds of ideas on a wall deciding. Boom, the book is about surrender. Boom, the title of the magic of surrender. So, but the magic is, that sounds simple. If you want the magic, you got to surrender. There it is. And so I had to surrender to that. And that's when I believe if we do surrender, we will be used in ways and life will live us in ways that we can't imagine. And so that's, that's the invitation. Amen. That's awesome, Coot. That's, oh, it's just so beautiful. This talk has been absolutely amazing. And the magic of surrender is dropping May... May 4th. Yeah, 4th. It's available okay, May I thought 4th. it was May 4th. But it's available for pre-order and people can go to uh, themagicofsurrender.com, uh, get it from Amazon. If they go to themagicofsurrender.com and enter their receipt, they get all sorts of free gifts. I'm doing a free seminar on, on, on May the 8th. I'm giving away like three videos, uh, meditation. I'm giving away so much stuff I even forget. And so right, I get you. Lots of freebies. Of that. So if they go, so instead of, they can go to Amazon or any of those places, but yeah. if they go to themagicofsurrender.com, Exactly. And you will get some free, lots of free, lots of free gifts and trainings cool and all stuff, that stuff. Absolutely. From Mr. Coot Blackson. Absolutely. So, um, Kate, if they want to hook up with you anywhere else, you're on Facebook, you're on Facebook, Instagram, my website, cootblackson.com. Let me know you heard this YouTube, interview. the podcast, YouTube, love Soul Talk your podcast. Soul Talk podcast. I love it. It is on my phone. I can whip up the app right now and show you. It's awesome. Thank you so, so much Thank for being so here, Coot. You truly blessed me with your presence and all of my listeners. Thank and you. I know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I re-listened to this anyway because I edit it, but I'm going to re-listen to it again because I just need to take some notes and Thank my you heart's it. open, my spirit's happy, and I'm just so incredibly grateful to have you here. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, I would sure appreciate it if you jumped over to iTunes and left me a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to share it with someone that you love. Until next time, everyone, remember, you matter.